0: ESPN, 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston Sports Radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing?
1: He's Blank, on Branham, it's Brian McDonald behind the glass, and it's a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Everybody good? Yeah, Everybody's you. fine? Everybody's all right? Yeah, I'm good. A little flare in my headphone. Uh, I'm just going to be like him M&M and m from now on. Free agency's about to heat up for the Houston Texans and in the NFL. And a lot of conversations. I mean, just, just anywhere you... You consume your sports, whether it's social media, whether it's sports radio, whether it's us, whether it's other people, wherever, wherever you consume your sports, it's in your face. There's no there's no such thing as offseason in the NFL. It, it doesn't exist. Um, even when your teams are bad, it's like, OK, we might not be a factor in free agency like the Texans the last couple of years, but it's that draft's just around the corner. You're, you're hearing podcasts with. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah and our very own Lance Erline. I don't know why Lance never gets credit for that podcast, but Daniel Jeremiah does. That seems very unfair. Lance is the preeminent draft expert, for goodness sakes. Why aren't we getting Lance any love whenever you talk about that podcast? Couldn't agree more. You know what I mean? Like, there's two people on that podcast, not just Daniel Jeremiah. Lance deserves a little bit of love, too. Um, Running back with this team is going to be something that we talk about. It's an area that you know I think the Texans can improve on. Uh, you heard them all all season long, we need to improve in the running game. We need to improve in the running game. I actually think they made progress uh, in improving in, in the running game because of Singletary. Singletary taking over for Damian Pierce, becoming becoming the RB1, made them that, better in that department. I think a healthy offensive line, they would be better running the football as well. Um, there is some questions about left guard. There's huge questions about left guard, uh, whether you're a believer in Kenyon Green. If you're not a believer in Kenyon Green, then there's even bigger questions at left guard. But that running back spot is something that everybody talks about, whether it's Singletary and Pierce. you good if that's your tandem next year? Whether it's who do you like in the draft in the third, fourth round. Whether it's these free agents, which there's quite a bit. Whether it's these cut casualty possibilities, like we were talking about yesterday with Alvin Kamara, maybe. Aaron Jones, maybe not, but maybe he's out there. But then you look at the free agency class, too, and while like not many people are high on Austin Eckler, there's – a lot of intrigue and well, what about Derrick Henry? We've seen him twice a year for a long time. He certainly had uh, the Houston Texans number prior to this season. Uh, you look at Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, who's had a tremendous amount of success. Not so much last year, but two years ago was really good. Saquon Barkley is the popular name. And you're seeing more and more content coming out on this. You're starting to see odds come out on this, too. And I care more about odds than I do about the articles, because I think the odds are usually a little more accurate. Mm -hmm. Now, predicting where a player goes can be very difficult, but I'll trust the odds more than articles. And some odds are out from betonline.ag. First, Derrick Henry, fourth shortest odds to land Derrick Henry. So, like, in the conversation for a Derrick Henry? Uh, I'm
2: not as interested as most in Derrick Henry. I I just question the fit uh, and kind of how everything syncs up. Where he is in his career – his style of running, uh, the way that he's gone about his business, which obviously has been very effective when he was in his heyday. I don't think he's in his heyday anymore. And I don't think that he's the kind of fit stylistically for this team the way that they got the most out of a, a single Terry didn't get as much out of a Pierce. So from that perspective, on that particular running back, I'm not as interested as most people that are getting excited because they hear the name. And they go, "Ooh, Derrick Henry," and and yeah, he's he's run you know rough shot over the Texans over the last three four years. That would be
1: awesome, would it? What, scale of one to ten. Because we like to do the 1-10 yeah, game. Um, if Henry is the free agent acquisition at running back and fourth longest odds, like they're in the ballpark. Like what do the odds makers know? Five? I don't think that they really know anything. I think they're more these teams are interested in running back. Maybe it could be a fit. I think it's more educated guessing. Five. I'm actually be at a seven for Derrick Henry. Okay. I, I'm very intrigued by the idea of Derrick Henry. Now, I would want a third down running back. And that could be anybody. It could be Jerick McKinnon. Right. Um. So I'm I'm. I would like the addition of Derrick Henry with the Texans. I'm at a seven there. Where are you at with that one, Brian? Yeah, I
3: I agree with you, Jeremy. I I can maybe be difficult and split it and go six and a half, but I'm going to go ahead and go with you at seven. I share some of Joel's concerns about Uh the stylistic fit and the zone scheme, Derrick Henry's age, but I think he's a big enough name that I would be willing to go ahead and take the shot because the upside – potentially is better than anyone on this list so i'd be willing to take the shot really? but if you do take the shot you definitely as you said you have to have another guy ready to go yeah. because derrick henry at age 29 or age is he gonna be age 30 i don't remember exactly he's not somebody that you can or should give 300 touches a year at this point he, they need to have a third down back ready
1: would he take a one-year deal would derrick henry
3: I take a one year deal? i think he possible. might i think depending
2: on the team and the situation see i think I think Baltimore is the, the perfect fit for him. Agreed. And I think if Baltimore offered him a one-year deal with maybe a prove-it or an option for a second, I think ideally that's his, that's his sweet spot because they sure. really block well and he's got a chance to make some extra coin. But I think at this point in his career... I think he's going to be faced with the tough reality that he might have to take a one-year deal.
1: Yeah, I would be one-year deal would be really exciting if you can get like a two-year deal with most of it non-guaranteed in year two. Like that would be something that would intrigue me. I think that Henry has more left in the tank than you. I think that's where we differ mm-hmm. with Derrick Henry. I think he's I think he's actually pretty good for his own blocking scheme. So I, that's something that would really intrigue me. The odds on Josh Jacobs third. Shortest odds for Josh Jacobs. Again, I think this is Vegas. Hey, Texans need a running back. They could be in on all of these guys, or they're going to be in on one. So it's kind of hedge it with all of this. Uh, One to ten, Josh Jacobs. Six. Okay, Uh, I'm going to go under Saquon. Jacobs is younger. Um, he gets very disinterested at times, which I don't love. He didn't look great last year. two years he, ago. He, he reported, was fantastic. He reported late to
3: camp, and yeah. yeah. Look, I, I think I, he got I,
1: disinterested I, with his whole contract. Oh, he got situation. really annoyed, yeah, with and his that, contract. that bothers yep, me. It's me like, too. okay, do you love the game, or are you Anthony Rendon?
3: Like, yeah. that, that's concerning to me. I do share this. Is going back a little bit further, but I'm do I do share some like Sean Alexander concerns. Like, mm. as soon as he got paid, he quit. Yeah. But I do think, uh, and not to make an excuse for Josh Jacobs, because he still could have, you know, been a better professional than he was last year. But I do think the reporting late being out of shape that was a large part of the drop off, not his actual skill. So I would go, uh, I would go higher as far as my excitement than I would for Henry. So I'd go an eight.
1: I'm at a five on Josh Jacobs. Like I, I don't like the attitude. I don't, I don't like either. the I'm going to turn it on whenever I want to play well. That's that's red flags to me. He also
2: seems to run the ball a lot, like a Dam- Damian Pierce runs the football. He seems to be that battering ram that doesn't use a lot of the side to side and I, I, I'm with you. The first thing that I saw was a guy that completely was disinterested once he came back. Like, he was just waiting for free agency, so no matter what they worked out after he, he showed up late and then sat out and they worked out whatever they had to work out, I thought it was a complete lost year. And it's kind of like when we talked about if Grenard's ankle was, you know, to the severity of Grenard's ankle with free agency coming up. If you got a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of want to and it's because of off-the-field issues when your team is really trying to do some things, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, I I think you're selling him short on the shiftiness and the side-to-side, side, but the desire to, like, want to play and turn the switch on, I don't love that. No, and once a, he gets paid, is it like, okay, I'm going to melt it in?
3: That is, that is definitely a red flag. I'm with you on there. But I do think a point in his favor, as same as it would be for Saquon, is he's been a good receiving back in his yeah. career. Mm-hmm. So he's if you do pay him the money, and I think of all three of these names that we're discussing, he probably costs the most that at least he's a back that if you sign him, he's on the field all three downs, and the complimentary piece doesn't need to cost as much.
1: I agree with that. And I do think he'd be the most expensive. Um, The final one, Saquon Barkley. The Texans are the favorite for Saquon Barkley, according to betonline.ag. That's ahead of the Bears. It's ahead of the Chargers who are just behind uh, the Houston Texans. One to ten, what would Saquon do for you? I mean, that's... That's nine for me. Wow. Yeah,
2: that's nine simply because of the dynamics. that, And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that, yeah, some people say he's injury-prone, but other people say, you know, he's had some unfortunate injuries, but maybe that doesn't put as much uh, – that leaves a lot more tread on left on the tires. He's talented as all get out. He, he can catch the football. He's shifty. He's fast. He can hit he – he's a powerful runner when he has to be as well. Um I, I like everything about how he would fit into this offense.
1: My hang up with Saquon and like I, I would be excited if they signed Saquon Barkley. I I'm probably what did I have Henry at a seven? I'll put Saquon at a at an eight. I'll put Saquon at an eight. The one thing that I'm having trouble getting over was Lance Mc uh, Lance Irline calling him a dancer. He says he doesn't hit the hole hard. He doesn't he doesn't he's not that one cut kind of running back that he sits there and dances, looks for his hole. I don't love that. I don't love that that Lance said that.
3: Yeah, that is a concern. I I do give Bobby Slowick credit. I think he showed an ability to just scheme for his players, and obviously that would be a big change if you're completely going away from the type of running style they did last year and what San Francisco offenses are known for. But I do give, I, I think I would give, Slowick, the benefit of the doubt that he can make some sort of adjustment to fit Saquon and of all these three backs I think he has the highest uh just pure skill level yeah. so I would I would be at about a nine I'd be very excited about Saquon
2: I would agree with what b said I'm thinking that he comes here and you 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 get out of you you get out of whatever the they had a terrible offensive line last year too but you get into a new situation and I think that he understands with an innovative mind like Sloic and the fact that if Sloic says hey look and we look at some film and say hey look this is systematically the way we run things with our scheme you have to do this versus that I don't think he's going to have any problem adapting especially if he's got a better offensive line in front of him which with the exception of some questions we've already discussed with left guard and center and I think they'll work a lot of that out but I think that he understands he's going to have a better line to run behind, and there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to really excel in this offense if he just follows
3: the leader, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I don't – if you're – like, once you're a dancer, though, you're a dancer. I don't think so. I, I mean, like it's a hard thing to break.
3: To, to make an Astros comparison, and look, I know it's maybe apples and oranges, but – I think so, yeah. The apples <laughs> – the <laughs> Astros were given credit – I mean, have, have been given credit, you know, for many years now about taking pitchers that maybe weren't having great success elsewhere – telling them what they were doing wrong, and yeah. then right, putting them on the right path. I don't see it as impossible that the Texans couldn't take Saquon say, hey, you're doing this wrong, do this instead. And an athlete as gifted as Saquon could make, but then make the adjustment. Jeremy, you you go go with the he Texans. he was a dancer at
2: Penn State? I mean, i go on with with Lance I didn't watch him play a whole lot at Penn State. I mean, I obviously is a Big Ten fan. I saw him play... a a decent amount. But I thought that he was a guy that attacked the hole. I thought that obviously he was drafted for a reason. I don't think scouts are going to be all over him if he danced too much. I thought at Penn State he was an
3: aggressive runner. Honestly, the dancing might be the product of where he was playing. Like, yeah, but the I, I feel, like,
1: I feel like, like you went Astro-Texans comparison. How about a Texans-Texans comparison? Okay. How hard was it for Damian Pierce to figure out the new zone blocking far, far scheme? Far less
3: talented than Saquon, Sure, though.
1: but it's his style. Like, you went with the Astros comparison and, like, well, the Astros are really good at getting a pitcher who is kind of mediocre elsewhere and then making him really good. But they didn't change his arsenal. They didn't change his repertoire. They're like, you're really bad at throwing your third pitch. How about you stop throwing your third pitch? If you're somebody who has trouble, like – like, Bursting through the hole. If you're somebody who dances, mm-hmm. waiting around, that is a hard thing to condition yourself out of. You're right, but let's look at this from
2: saying you're right because I, I think that Pierce, stylistically, it was just oil and water. I, I just it was a bad fit. So of, of these three guys we're talking about, uh, it's between to me it's between Jacobs and, and 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 Saquon to figure out who can be shifty enough and slide enough and and laterally quick enough to really fit into this system. I don't think he's going to have a problem adjusting. As a matter of fact, if he has a little shiftiness to his game, it might be more conducive to the system that they run. I'll hear your argument if you think that Jacobs has more of that than Saquon. But I think Saquon for his size does it just about as good as anybody that he still
1: has the agility. See, I think it's more burst. Like, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, shifting plays a part in this, but I think it's more you're running, you recognize the whole one-cut boom. Like, that's where Arian was great. Arian wasn't known to be like this burner 4-4 guy. I mean, his talent, like, he was talented, but he got a, he was undrafted. Like, yeah. but he was special at being able to run in that scheme. He was a great one-cut back. And I think that's where we kind of knock Derrick Henry. He's like, well, he's older. He's not as shifty from... You 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 know, point A to point B. I think he's really good at hitting the hole, though. And I think he's really good at at being able to, like, analyze where it's at and boom, go. And then he's so big that he's tough to bring down once he hits that hole. And that was the frustrating thing with Damian Pierce. Like, Damian Pierce isn't a poor athlete. Damian Pierce just had a tough time recognizing where the hole was. And then he would run into contact foolishly.
2: Yeah, I, I look at these guys and think any one of these three guys are going to excel based on where they're coming from. And getting into this situation, any for any one of these three guys, this situation should be better for them. It's just who, which, which one is the best? Can the, can the Texans get the most out of? And just factor in age and and agility and ability and and you know power in hitting the hole. To me, it comes down to the last two guys we talked about. I think and, and money's going to matter a whole lot because Saquon seems to really want to get over ten and maybe buy a couple mil. Whereas I think that you could get Jacobs for less than ten, and that might be a big deciding factor. For yeah. what
3: it's worth, this the, the, uh, I'm looking at a projection on Saquon's contract mm. right, right now, and it has it for all three running backs. But yeah, they're projecting they? Saquon at three years, twenty nine million, so just under ten million per year. Uh, the
1: this is something that concerns me too, a little
3: bit. Derrick Henry yeah. they have on a one year ten million dollar deal. That's
1: still the AAV's the same. Eh, I don't love that. I don't like. Penn. It's just
3: one year, though. I mean, yeah, if, but if I would if like
1: like seven at one. I don't have
2: confidence that Henry's still your your battering ram, horse running back that he
1: was in Tennessee. Yeah, I I do.
2: And I don't know that I want him to be.
1: Well, I mean, I want him to gain yards. Like, I want him to be productive, uh, productive however he's productive.
2: Right, but I think because of the system, too, you need a pass catcher as well. Yeah. So, that already lends itself to the fact that's that why, he's just the time. That's he's why I don't like his time. AAV.
1: Yeah. Like, if he was at six and then I right. could add a McK- like a Jarek McKinnon at three, sure. it's like, well, now I'm getting two guys for yeah, one, for, yep. blah, 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 blah. What was Jacobs?
3: Uh, Jacobs is four years 42, so he'd be the most Jeez, expensive on this list. He'd be most expensive? Yeah, 10.6 per year.
1: I'm scared of Jacobs showing up. One season, much less four seasons. Yeah, I'm not yeah I'd Jacob be out that on that. deal. I, Jacobs I, is last on my list
3: here. Yeah, he's I, I agree with that. I'd be fine with Saquon or Derek, but it's I'd years. be out on Jacobs. I
1: don't love his attitude. Sorry, I just don't. But Henry is,
2: the of the three of them, he's the most like on the back nine of his career.
1: I mean, he's going to be 30. Saquon's going to be 28 or 27. Yeah, but I think the mileage, Henry's taking a beating over
2: the, the years, Yeah, but too. I'm
1: not signing him. I'm signing him for one year. I'm trying to get one year out of him. I'm okay. not trying to get three years out of him. No,
2: I don't like four for Jacobs. I don't. I, I never. I thought Saquon was gonna, Saquon was going to be the highest priced uh, in the market, no matter what. And if you're projecting that that Jacobs is going to make more money,
1: then I'm out on Jacobs. Uh, Tony Lone Star, he says eight on uh, Jacobs, he's seven on Saquon, he's seven on uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, which of these three would you want the most? And throw in their price tag there, too, because mm-hmm. price tag matters, right? Seven one three seven eight zero espn HR&P listener line. A busy show, it's a Thursday, so Bad Take Boulevard. Joe is gone, but never forgotten. I have a feeling he's going to make an appearance <laughs> at Bad Take Boulevard a little bit later. College football has already expanded the playoffs, and so now they're already talking about expanding the playoffs again without ever taking the ball off with the new expanded playoffs. Uh, Justin Verlander, uh, he doesn't like being called a diva. Is he a diva? Does he deserve to be a diva? Uh, Also, I might have the Homer hat a little bit later when it comes to the Astros. But coming up next, some popular names that we've seen at the Texans pick at number number, uh, 23 that... People don't view us first round grades. And does this change your mindset a little bit at number 23? 713 3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 975. Uh, search ESPN Houston on YouTube. You can find us there as well. Uh, Joel's at Pac Joel on Twitter. Brian's at Sacked by BMAC. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 975 and ESPN 925
0: we're espn 97.5 and 92.5 thriving on chaos i'm here to kill chaos that's my chaos welcome back houston it's the killer bees joel blank and jeremy branham live from the veritex community bank studios on espn 97.5 and 92.5
1: He's blank. I am Branham. It is the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, 713-780-3776, 6146. Texans need to sign an exciting name at receiver or running back to really give them momentum headed into next season. It can help the fans stay excited as well. I disagree. I hate this
2: logic. Uh, yeah, It's not about what the, excite the fans. The fans should be excited as all get out for what they did last year, where they ended up, how they played, and everything that went their direction. There's nothing that says that you need to be enticed by a big-name running back or wide receiver, and oh, by the way, the price tag that goes with them.
3: That logic is what drafts Vince Young and Johnny Manziel. Yeah. I mean, that's what fans fans. wanted in 2006, and then then again in 2014, and thank God the Texans didn't do it.
1: I, (laughs) if you start, listening to the fans soon enough you'll start sitting yep. with them that's the old saying right yeah um i wouldn't listen to the fans ever if i was a general manager like you have to do what you think is in the best interest of the team every single time maybe it does maybe it is an exciting name of receiver maybe it is an exciting name at running back but you're not doing that because you want the fans to stay excited and why wouldn't you be excited anyways like what happens in this offseason? maybe here's maybe this is the topic here maybe this is a segment 713-780-3776. what has to go wrong this offseason for you not to be excited as a fan and just thinking about that off the cuff I think it's very difficult for the Texans to screw up this offseason like unless you're doing something radical like you draft the backup quarterback at number 23 which isn't even realistic like what realistic scenario is out there Nah. Yeah. I mean, they had an aging. They drafted love.
2: They needed a receiver and a couple other things. Right. And but they Rodgers was route. old.
1: Like, he wasn't on a rookie deal, er. second two in. What, he wasn't year two in the NFL? Oh, but he was coming off an MVP. Sure. But they were looking at that as, like, they were getting the heir apparent to Rodgers. They drafted, you know, Rodgers when they still had Favre to hand off the baton. That was the same logic. Like, like at least Rodgers was old. You're not doing that when Stroud's in his early right, 20s. 22. So, like, what realistic thing happens this offseason where you're not. Happy with the Houston Texans. I don't think the possible. I don't think the scenario
3: exists. Would drafting a running oh. back in the first round do it?
1: I think people would get excited about that. Now, there's not a running back that is really worthy this year. I don't
3: know how realistic that is, but if they were to take a running back in the first round, I don't know if he would say I'm not excited at all, but I would be disappointed in their decision. Who's the
1: top running back? Maybe Jonathan Brooks.
3: Jonathan Brooks, but he's coming off the ACL. Uh, There's not really a a great list of running backs. My,
1: my, my, just at first blush,
2: when you said that, my first response would be trade away a majority of your top first round picks. I mean, your your top draft picks in the first three rounds. For something that doesn't pan out. See, I just don't think that's realistic. I, I, no, there's no way in hell I see it happening. But if there's something that would actually turn the fans off, it would be, you know, you've got a whole lot of assets to be had with the picks that you have, the good picks that you have in the first couple rounds of the draft for sure. If those go away and it's just for like a player and you're like, eh, I think that people would start questioning. But even still, I don't think that's monumental.
1: What? Drafting running back a lot of times is like kind of frowned upon by like the sharps of football, but it still excites fans. Like when Could the be. when the when the Lions drafted Jameer Gibbs, they traded up at number twelve, it's like, okay, I love this guy. Yeah, it's probably too early to draft a running back, but I certainly love this guy. Now the problem this year is the draft like doesn't really have that first round. No running one's back. as exciting
3: uh, as Gibbs. Yeah, and
1: if Brooks wasn't hurt, like now it's like a different thing. Like if you draft Brooks, who's healthy at twenty three, might not sound like the wise thing to do. People would still be excited about that.
3: What if? What if so, there's something like? Is we've done a couple of these mock draft exercises where we raced up to the podium, quote unquote, to draft Byron Murphy. What if the Texans get to 23? Someone like Byron Murphy, someone the fans are excited yeah. about there, and then they trade out of the first for like multiple, like a That's second a and a third,
1: or they draft Graham Barton.
3: Sure. So, like in, an, in, an, office, yeah. an, an, an offensive, offensive lineman, lineman. Yep. right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I could. That would be. That would make people. A little frustrated.
2: Because even for the sure. casual listens enough and pays enough attention to like even the D'Amico end of season to know that they need help on the defensive line. And if and you're close enough to UT too, you realize UT's got two pretty special defensive linemen sitting right there that if you knew you had the chance to take one of those two guys and you completely just passed on it, I think a lot of people would be scratching their temple going, What the hell are we doing?
1: Yeah, I could see that, but it also like that's also after free agency. So if you had like a good free agency and you just still do that, like you're going to be like, eh, I don't love the pick, but I still like where this team is at. Yeah, I think yeah, it's true. kind of bulletproof for Casario. Now it could come back in two years. We're like, oh, that was a terrible offseason. But going into opening day, week one next year, I don't think Casario can screw it up.
3: Yeah, but CJ having CJ Stroud in you know the Nico Collins tank pairing kind of makes, like you said, bulletproof. There's no way not to be excited. But maybe if they have another offseason like they have the last couple of years where it's a bunch of unsexy veteran names for one-year contracts, and they pass on everyone that we've talked about that would add excitement like a Barkley, a Mike Evans, whoever else, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they would be wrong in that approach, but that might cause fans to lose some excitement. Yeah. You
1: just go bargain well, hunting on free agency. Yeah, it's you a bunch don't, of you, like you get year, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson. Right. Uh there's not a splash name in free agency. It's a bunch of, you know, Blake Cashman's Rex Burkheads. Exactly. And then in the first round you dra- you take Graham Barton when Byron Murphy and Cooper DeGene's on the board. That's probably the worst case scenario from a friend's perspective.
2: I mean when I'm thinking about it, the first thing I do is just what would Bill O'Brien do? Well Bill O'Brien <laughs> would trade Larry <Laramie laughs> Tunis right? He would trade Laramie Tunsell this time away and you wouldn't get anything but a bowl of soup for him, and then you would draft an offensive lineman in the first round, and you would overpay uh, uh, several guys that are free agents that are le- that are could leave your team to make sure they stay. And you're going, what are
1: we doing? I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's a good one. I Why? don't think because it's not what O'Brien would do. O'Brien wouldn't he, trade a guy who's under contract. He would trade a guy who's about to expire. So he would trade Nico Collins. Was was about to expire when he, he traded him? He was him? looking for a new deal. He was looking for a new
2: deal, but he still had a couple left on his deal.
1: Right, but he was like new, looking for a new deal where it's going to – you hold you out. better Yeah, like, you better trade him. You better lock him up or you better trade him. Um, so, like, that would be like a Nico Collins type. Now, Nico is a little younger than whatever Hopkins did it, but Nico's up after next year.
2: I say Tunsil uh, and because then he's got to protect CJ. And, and we know how important left tackle is. And if he did a move like trading Tunsil. When right, but know.
1: he he traded for guys and then drafted guys where the positions were really weak. Like, he was so desperate to protect Deshaun Watson that he overspent for Laramie and then drafted Titus Howard. So, like, he would overspend where the Texans are currently weak, which would be maybe like linebacker. So, maybe he would sign Patrick Queen for 20% above market value.
2: Okay, I'm just going without, like, that deep of it. I'm going, if Bill O'Brien could screw this thing up, I would think about trading one of your best players that's under contract already, like D-Hop was, and... and I guess, the most expensive, best player other than – because C.J. Stroud isn't expensive. I would, I'd say it's, I'd start with Tunsell.
3: I think you were on, on on track there, though, with overpayings to keep mm-hmm. someone that's already on your team. Like, if, if if the Texans went out and paid above market value to keep Blake Cashman, that would be a very Bill yeah, O'Brien move. Or or
2: Fairbairn again, right? Because when, when O'Brien signed him the last yeah, time, a, he, already he did made it him once, the so. top three or top four pay, paid kicker in the league, and everybody's like, what, why? And he did it to an offensive lineman, too. He did it to um, –
3: Oh, it was Ben. It
2: I think it was Ben Jones.
3: No, it was Nick Martin. Ben Jones is oh, Nick Martin. Yep, yep. made him like yep. a top five pay. Top five yeah, it was, yep. it's insane. And then Same he's out I of the think. league
1: like three years later. Yep. Yeah, he was. He was foolish with how he spent money. Yeah, that's why, was, why I was trying Whitney to. Whitney merciless too. Yeah, Whitney he gave merciless, Whitney is merciless a, a huge deal. Right. Where it's like, okay, like this. This is. I don't like where you're going with this organization. Um ESPN put together the true first-round picks. Matt Miller, I think we've had Matt Miller on, does really good work for ESPN. He talked about the true first-rounders, like guys with first-round grades. And a lot of times we get lost in the mock drafts. We're like, oh, we love this guy here. We love this guy here. But he put together a list of players who he has true first-round grades for, and he had 16 guys in his first round, like who he has a first round grade to, which means there's gonna be guys who get drafted in this first round, 16 of them, who don't have first round grades, according to him. At the quarterback position, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, and Drake May. So no surprises right. there. Maybe you're surprised that you know, McCarthy's not there or Nix isn't there, but he doesn't have a first round grade on them. Running backs, we are just talking about running backs, uh, nothing. Um, he lists Jonathan Brooks as his favorite running back and Audric Estimi. I don't know how to say that name. From Notre Dame, they, he says they, they have day two grades. Four receivers he has a true first-round grade to. Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, Rome Adunze from Washington, and Brian Thomas, the other LSU wide receiver. One tight end, Brock Bowers, three offensive tackles, which the Texans aren't in the, that business. Joe Alt, Alumawa Fashuna, and then Talise Fuaga. He has zero interior offensive linemen. Uh, in the first round. So no Jackson Ooh. Powers Johnson, uh, no Graham Barton from Duke, no whatever that guy's name is from Washington who played tackle, but they look at him as a guard at the next level. Zero interior offensive lineman, which I don't love the sound of that because... I'm okay if the Texans drafted lineman at 23, but I want that guy to be a stud. And if they don't have a first-round grade, that kind of diminishes the whole stud part of that. Uh, Two edge rushers, Dallas Turner, Jared Verse, one defensive tackle, Byron Murphy, two corners, Terry and Arnold, Enos Rakestraw, no safeties. So notable names who are not on this list, Adonai Mitchell, receiver from Texas. Uh, We mentioned the Fatuna guy from Washington, the Graham Barton uh, center offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman from Duke. No Chop Robinson, Uh Penn State defensive end. He's a popular name for the Texans at 23. No Kool-Aid McKinstry, popular name for the Texans at 23. No Cooper DeGene, popular name for the Texans at 23.
2: And the the defensive
1: tackle from Illinois. Uh, george Newton. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, uh, Johnny, he wants to go by Johnny. Johnny I heard, I saw that. I he wants to that. go by yeah. Johnny. Can we call him Johnny football, uh, Johnny Newton. So does that change the way that you view a few, a few of these names that maybe that they don't have these first round grades attached to their name? It, it, maybe to some degree,
2: but I think that that doesn't mean that they can't be starters for you, especially with like the defensive backs. Uh, I think that it, it maybe changes your, your thinking in terms of what, when you look at who they're, kind of being tied to for the first-round pick. But if you got a Kool-Aid McKinstry in the second round, or you got a DeGene in the second round, or
1: or you got a Sweat in the second round, I'd be ecstatic with that. Yeah, it kind of changes my view of it a little bit. Like, whenever I, we're doing these these uh, mod draft exercises, like, maybe we should be giving more attention to Enos Rakestraw than Cooper DeGene. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe Rakestraw is a better player than DeGene is. Or, you know, maybe... We were talking about a lot about receiver yesterday. A name that came up whenever we were talking about receiver was Brian Thomas. Like Brian Thomas, first round grade. I don't love receiver in the first round, but if he's a better, like best available, he's BPA, best player available. And Cooper, like if the decision's Brian Thomas, Cooper DeJean. Brian Thomas is a first round grade. Cooper DeJean has a second round grade. I want corner more than I want receiver, but is it worth trading off a second round corner versus a first round receiver? Like, those are the decisions I mean, you're going to have to make. That's the
2: BPA element, right? I mean, it's best yeah. player, not just because it's at a certain position. It's are they worthy of being a first-round pick with the impact that they could have. That's another, just another thing to kind of calculate and consider when you're, you're looking at who they could take at 23. Now, now would you guys be
1: upset if they traded down? See that's what three four five one just said, and I, we had not really discussed that.
3: It, okay. it, this this list seems to indicate that might be the smart move at twenty three. If there's only 16 1st round yeah. graded players, it does kind of tell you trade down. But if you're telling me, and some of these names we've talked about, it certainly fall into this list. If you're telling me these guys are still early second round worthy you're still telling me they're starter caliber i'm not going to get you know all bent out of shape if they're taking the 23 instead of 33 yeah.
1: especially if there's only 16 first round
3: yeah i mean what are you going to do there's still going right. to be 32 first round picks you got to take the best someone's got to be taken there the but but trade down could, depends on the package
2: yeah exactly but if so if, if you could get you know you slip slip a couple of picks or whatever but you pick up an extra second or you pick up an extra third somewhere whether it be this year or even next year you're like okay That seems worth it to me because yeah, because I'm looking at it going. Well, say say Murphy goes, but say you got Sweat and the kid from Illinois, and you know that when however how many spots you moved back, one of those guys should still be there based on who's picking between you. And you go, well, if I'm really hell bent on getting a DT, and I got all these guys pretty evenly rated after that, if I can still get that guy, but I can pick up an extra pick in one of the top in the first three rounds, I'm in.
1: 713780 yeah. espn HRMP, listener line 7137803776 uh, 3776 major league baseball network put together their top 100 major league baseball players uh do you care about this it's really hard for me to care about it i'm curious if you do if you do 7137803776 uh, a few things that i did notice from this few takeaways that i do have Mostly, I don't care about this list, though. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN
0: 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. Sports Scooby Snacks.
1: No one seems to be here, Scoob. And by the looks of this pad, I don't blame them.
0: Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees. Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Live. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.
1: He's Blank. I am Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Major League Baseball, MLB Network came out with their top 100 players in the bigs. Um, I I have a hard time caring about this stuff, I'm not going to lie. Like I couldn't care less about what somebody thinks about certain players. It doesn't add up to wins, like the only the only place where people's opinions mattered in sports, college football. College football is the only place. Other than that, every other sport in the world, you have a chance to prove it on the field. So that's why I don't get bent out of shape about what people think of people or people think of certain teams. Outside of college football, but that's about to change, thank goodness. Um, now, you'll still have the discussions about you know the teams that are the at-large teams, but those teams don't have a case. Go win the conference and you're in. So you have yourself to blame. Uh, so that's going to change in college football. But the Astros had a bunch of players on this list. Uh, they had the most of Any team in the American League, Uh, it was capped off by Jordan Alvarez at number eight, which eh, you can have an argument there whether or not he should be at number eight or if he should be a little bit higher.
2: Yeah, that was my biggest beef. I I was watching this as it was unfolding, uh, I think, two nights ago when they were getting in and and before they even got to their their top 10 and their top five, they had uh, DeRosa. Um, and a couple of their analysts give up their top five, and Jordan wasn't in any of the top five. And so, uh, of course, right away, I'm going, wait a minute. What what are we doing here? And then the logic behind it was what really pissed me off was the fact that they said, well, Jordan can't be in the top five because of his defense, because he doesn't play defense, or when he does, it's it's part-time in left field. If he's just going to be a DH, that's like putting a David Ortiz in the top five. If Jordan hits for average, hits for power, and he is a dominant offensive player that's a game-changer – I don't think that that should preclude him from being in the top five because he doesn't play defense.
3: Especially when you're using the comparison of David Ortiz. David Ortiz, at, a, at his best, was certainly a top five player in the league. I don't care if he doesn't contribute on the field if his, if his bat is that elite. Uh, obviously, I think, and I, have, I haven't looked at the top ten here, I mean, I have no problem with uh, you know Otani, I have no problem with Acuna and a few others being ahead of Jordan. but I, de- I definitely think you can make the argument that he should be at least at number five.
1: I think eight's fair. I think eight's fair. Five to eight
3: is fair. I, I, I
1: think eight's fair, and I think the defense part of it's fair, too. Like, you're talking about the very best players in the world. Is Jordan capable? Sure, but he doesn't. He doesn't play left field a whole lot. And when he does, it's probably below average, uh, quite frankly. So I think it's fair to have him at eight. But the second part where I think it's totally fair to have Jordan at number eight, he gets hurt. He's injury-prone. He's somebody who misses lots of games. If Jordan, the question's always going to be health with Yordan. If Yordan Alvarez plays 150, 155 games, he can be an MVP. He can win a triple crown. He hasn't proven to be able to do that. So I think it's fair to ding Yordan for that. I have no problem with him. So DeRosa
2: eight. left Otani out because he, he's not pitching. Fair. So he said he's, not, he's leaving him out of his top five. But Otani's still probably going to play the field. He'd I probably, doubt it. You don't think he's going to play field? No, more? he's uh-huh. going to DH. I guess that's what well, they got Freeman. So he's 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 not going to play first base.
1: Yeah, Yeah, he'll DH. I have no problem with Jordan at eight. Now, the Astros had seven guys on this list. And again, who cares if Jordan's eight? Maybe Jordan's ticked off and he goes and wins the MVP. So, like, that's why these lists are, like, trivial. They're arbitrary. I don't really care about them. Um, the three takeaways I do have though: on eight, Altuve twenty two, Tucker twenty three, Bregman forty four, Fromber fifty five, Hater sixty, and then JV was number sixty two. Uh, the first takeaway I had was that I don't have a problem with on being at number eight. I-, I think it's fair because of his health. Mostly, uh, when he's healthy, though, I think he's one of the best two, three hitters in all of baseball with the potential of being the best hitter in all of that? baseball. On that,
2: on that point, though, yeah, like DeRosa had uh, at Corey Seager at number five. Corey mm-hmm. Seager was hurt a lot last year.
1: Yeah, Corey Seager plays a premium defensive position.
2: Yeah, but he's got to play, right? So to, that, to that point you're making about Jordan, he's got to be available. And, and he missed significant time in two different stretches last year, didn't he?
1: It sounds to me like he's probably going defense there. Like Maybe. you said, it was more defense. They said more defense, right? I'm the one that said injury prone. Uh, you, you did bring up injuries. Yeah, yeah. you said DeRosa was more defensive-oriented. And was, that's why he left, left
2: Shohei off. And, and obviously, they, they were saying they, they actually talked about Jordan and gave that as one of the reasons why, because he's just a predominantly a DH.
1: Yeah, so it seems like they're more defensive-oriented. So that makes sense that Siger will be ahead of Jordan because he plays shortstop, and Jordan's primarily a DH. So I think Jordan at eight's fine. For me, it's more health, because I think he can be the best hitter in all of baseball. I believe Kyle Tucker at 23 shows how underrated Kyle Tucker still is. Mm -hmm. I think Kyle Tucker is easily a top 20 baseball player in in the world. Uh, So being outside of the top 20 shows you that Kyle Tucker is still an underappreciated player in Major League Baseball, according to the Talking Heads. Uh, Also, it shows you how talented the Astros are. The Astros, we just went through all of the names that they had there. They had the most players on this list of any American League team. So like, oh, you know, the Astros losing guys in free agency. Oh, the window is closed. These guys are telling you the Astros are more talented than anybody else in the league, and this is why I told you yesterday. I think the Astros are going to run away with the American League West. Yeah,
2: look, I think it's a great sign. I think you're right. The other thing that I did notice as well, too, and maybe part of it is the L.A. and New York bias when they start looking at or, or, you know, major market players as opposed to looking at guys like Jordan, but even specifically to your point on Tucker, I'm like, there's no way that Kyle Tucker isn't in the top, I would say inside of the top 20 for sure. And the, the, with the numbers that he's put up, you can make a case that he could be a little bit higher than that. And, and he just, he seems to fall under the radar all the time. Every year in the playoffs, people are like surprised when, when you get the national broadcasters to, to some degree about the level that Kyle Tucker plays that. And you're like, we watch him every night. Sure. But, Surely, if you pay any attention to baseball, you realize he's that big of an impact to, to not just the Astros, but across the league, you can see he's an impact player.
1: I think this texture has a point. Five six three nine. he's talking specifically about Jordan. If Yordan played in L.A. or New York, they'd have him ranked uh, top three. Okay, I think you could throw that into the Kyle Tucker conversation here, too. Like, if Kyle Tucker played in one of those big markets, I don't think there's any chance that Kyle Tucker's outside of the top 20.
2: Yeah, you're, you're right, and, and it is a good text. Because the thing is, Judge made one, one of the lists, and if you're going to go by what Judge was able to do last year, he was able to be on the injured list a whole lot, and he didn't do a whole hell of a lot. So to bounce back and say, you know, it, it's contradictory to me that if you're going to look at it, especially from DeRosa, who had him at number two, but you're going to ding Otani and you're going to ding Jordan. But you're going to take Judge, who wasn't available for a good portion of the year for the Yanks, and you're going to put him at number two?
3: Especially when you're comparing uh, Aaron Judge directly to Yordan, because one of the flaws in in Aaron Judge's game so far has been his falling apart in the postseason, whereas Yordan has an AL MVP, and he has obviously the biggest moment in franchise history with the home run in Game 6 against the Phillies, so... Look, if, if we're factoring defense, you also got to factor in postseason. And so far, Yordan definitely greater sign than Aaron Judge.
2: Well, and the fact that I guess because of the fact that a lot of the, the national media, too, when they look at this, they're looking at the front runners, the best teams. Everybody had Acuna Jr. Everybody had Betts and everybody had Freeman. And then two of the three had Otani. So those are all big markets you know, and or best And teams. I think
3: those names are mostly fair. I would start to make the argument for Yordan probably at five.
2: That, I thought he should be inside the top five. Over who? Well, first of all, in, in Cliff Seager. Floyd's list, I, I, I would, I would, I think that I would put him above Judge. He's, he, I think he he had a better season last year than Judge. I would anticipate he would do it again. So, in Cliff uh, Floyd's list, he had Judge at three, and I think Jordan's better than Judge. I'll give you that. Yeah, Olson for sure had a better year last year. Ol- Olson was a, a monster last he year. He might for, be the, the most underrated player in baseball. I, 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 you could win me on that one. Uh, same thing with Derosa. The fact that Derosa had Judge at two. Oof. And Corey Seager at five, and Corey Seager was, like I said, he missed. He missed. A I don't have a problem time. with Seager. He had, he had a great year offensively, but if, if you're gonna, if we're going to ding Jordan, that
1: well, he's not dinging Jordan for not for not playing though. You're right. I, that, I did.
2: You said that, but even still, like Jordan played enough to still put up good, really good numbers.
1: Seager was second MVP.
2: No, I'm saying for Judge. And now you got I'm Judge you at number Judge. two. So Judge is number two. So on those two lists alone. And then J-Rod. I, I understand J-Rod plays in, a, a, in an exceptional center field. But at the same time, J-Rod was fifth on, on Yonder's list. And I'm like, okay, but offensively, he's okay. But I don't think he jump. Yeah, he, he brings stuff to the table. He sets the table for the Mariners, and he plays defense. But overall, if I'm taking one of the two players, I'm taking Jordan before I'm taking J-Rod.
1: J-Rod, uh, remember last year we were comparing him to Chaz McCormick? Yeah. Chaz McCormick had a higher OPS he than did. J-Rod. Yeah, you for,
3: can for argue. For what it's worth. You can argue Chaz had a better season.
1: Yeah, his OPS plus was higher offensively for sure. Uh, yeah, J-Rod's going to win him over on yeah. defense. Yeah, yeah J-Rod's going to win him over on defense. But Chaz had a better offensive year. Uh, how much does any of this matter? Absolutely oh, nothing. nothing. Well, you're right. i love it if it's motivational. Absolutely nothing. But you know, just the same way guys pay attention to Madden,
2: Oh yeah, guys, guys pay attention
3: to this for sure. And, oh, I think we, they do. We, we've seen baseball players care about their MLB the show rating. And like <laughs> yep. Alex Bregman was pissed off about his last yep. year, so it's maybe it, like if this That's is something they put weight. on, put up in the locker room, and it adds a you know five ten home runs to so your on season. Then great, but otherwise it doesn't matter.
1: Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Which two thousand twenty three Major League Baseball playoff teams are the most likely to miss the playoffs this year? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN ninety two five.
0: You found ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I can feel it. I can feel it
2: down in my plums. they are getting a nice bluish hue.
0: Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the killer bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham.
1: He's Blank, on am Branham, 713-780-ESPN. Someone on the uh, Twitter said, how come Brian Abreu is on this list? He's been almost unhittable for two years. That might be another example of the East Coast bias. If he was the Yankees closer, he's probably top oh, 50. Sure. Probably top 50. Absolutely. So, but he's the Houston now seventh inning guy, so he doesn't <laughs> sniff the top 100. Even though his numbers up there with any other relievers outside of saves, outside of saves, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Who made the playoffs last year? That is the most likely to miss this year. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. The six teams in the AL last year: Baltimore, Houston, Minnesota, Tampa, Texas, Toronto. In the NL, it was Atlanta, LA, Milwaukee, Philly, Miami, Arizona. It's starting the AL.
2: Okay, in the AL because uh, I was going to start in my own backyard. Um, Houston? No. They are in the AL. My backyard. I knew what you meant. Yeah. Um, I think Tampa Bay, to me, is the first team that comes to mind that I think is vulnerable. Obviously, your best player is probably gone for a long, long time. Uh, And you know that they're obviously never going to overspend. They they do always bring up young players. But that division is really good. The American League is very good. And, and, And they stick out to me as a team that could slide.
1: I think they're the second best team in the American League East. Um, They constantly reload. Uh, They've made the playoffs five years in a row. See, um,
2: the problem is with the rest of the American League East, aside from Baltimore, everybody looks like they, they might have taken a step back or they just mm. stood pat. Uh, I mean, who improved? The Yankees. The I mean,
1: Yankees improved. They did well, Soto. True. They
2: did add Soto, but they always find a way to screw it up.
1: That's true. Um, I think Tampa's the second best team in the American League East behind Baltimore. I, I do right. think the Yankees are third, and I do think that's the best division in all of baseball. It is. Um, so if I think that the Yankees are third and Tampa's second and Baltimore's first, I probably lean. I have to lean Toronto. Um, Toronto would be at the top of that list. I think Toronto's better than Tampa. I don't. I, I think they have more popular. I don't players. trust their
3: pitching after Kevin Gosman. I don't either. Like, yeah, like Toronto was my pick as well. I I, I love Kevin Gosman, and most he's of their all, offensive really players good. are pretty good. But even their some of their better you know offensive players with Pichette and uh, Vlad Jr. Their power numbers have dipped the last couple of years after they you know they had that one year where they got to play in the minor league ballparks. And yeah. Those power numbers have started and to come down. Also, you know what happened. That Sorry.
1: guy who was sitting in the hotel oh, right. with the <laughs> right, with the, right, with the right. binoculars, he got kicked out of the hotel. Right. So those power numbers have dipped. Yeah, you they've might dipped have noticed. across the board. Springer's not what he once was. The pitching staff really is not very good. Yeah,
3: after Gosman, there's a lot of concern there for their pitching staff. I love
1: Baltimore, so I'm Baltimore staying good. here. Uh, Alex, Alex on the YouTube said if the Astros pitching isn't very good, then then I could see the Astros. Not me. I think the Astros me run either. away with the American League West. Uh, the Twins were the AL Central champions last year. I mean, I think that they're. I think this is one that could go. I think anybody in the AL Central is capable of winning a division. I think it's too easy to division. say exactly. any team
3: from either Central division. Probably. I, I think if, like just odds, Brewers and Twins are probably the top two, but mm. those divisions are in such turmoil. It yeah, feels, I was, was going like to say the much. Twins. Right off
2: the jump, but when you look at the rest of the division, you go, who really – Cleveland maybe has the best chance to compete with. Yeah, I like their pitching. With Minnesota.
1: I like the guards pitching. Um, Kansas City's kind of on the rise. I don't think they're there yet, though. Uh,
2: yeah, I think they're missing pieces. I, I, obviously, locking up Witt Jr. was a nice move for them. But I, I think they're always one of those bargain basements, sign a veteran on the cheap, looking to trade him later kind of yeah. things. But I don't think that they have enough around him to make a difference. Yeah, he wasn't going anywhere. So, like, the, right.
1: that they locked him up doesn't really change their, their prowess in 24. No, it's
2: a good move that they've committed financially to a, a player that's going to be their foundation. Uh-huh. But for the most part, you look at Chapman last year and guys that they, you know, in previous to that, where they just like to, to have a guy hang on long enough that they can dump him. I think Cleveland will give Minnesota the, the biggest run for their money in the division. Texas. There's a good chance their their pitching their is, is so so suspect with the two big horses at the front that are going to be out, and, and until you know Montgomery signs somewhere, and if it's not with them, I think they're starting pitching. Their bullpen ain't great. Um, their pitching is where everything is question marks for me. Their offense should be exactly what it was last year. And the kid that you well, they have two warned they have, us about they have Evan
1: Carter and Wyatt Langford. Their offense is unbelievable. Yeah,
2: Car- Carter was the kid in the playoffs too, right? Yeah. That, that that came on. I mean, there's no reason to believe that their offense shouldn't be as good as it was a year ago. The biggest question marks are all across their pitching. Their pitching stinks.
1: Uh, their pitching is not very good. Their offense, I think, is going to be the best offense in all of Major League Baseball. Um, I don't think that they're. I think that they're going to be right there where they were last year, like right on the chasing a wild card, eventually getting a wild card. I just think that offense is too good. It is. pitching's brutal. Pitching it'll is it'll bad. be
3: interesting because I mean, the, the, some of the reasons we hear why they didn't. Or, you, be more aggressive in free agency with adding starting pitchers is the lack of the regional, the RSN money. I wonder if that affects them then in in the, in the trade market as well, when it gets close to the trade deadline, because I I agree with you guys. I think they can slug their way to being not that far behind the Astros, but if they're unable to, because of the money reasons with the RSN to then make a move at the trade deadline, then maybe that's where they fall off in the second half.
1: Yeah. I think that they're going to, be in the hunt for a wild card but i could see them missing i would have them in but barely i could see them missing NL, i think atlanta is the best team in all of baseball no they're loaded uh the dodgers have spent a lot of money i don't I, and plus the west i think has gotten worse too outside of arizona mm-hmm. but even arizona they were 16 games behind the dodgers last year i don't think arizona has closed the gap by 16 games in this off season whenever the dodgers have added a couple of japanese imports uh milwaukee I, I don't think milwaukee's making the playoffs i don't either uh,
2: that's where I was going to start this whole conversation is Milwaukee has been notoriously cheap. No, They continue to do so. They they don't continue to add. They continue to have subtraction be an issue for them. And they're trying to be like the Rays. They're not good at it. They're trying to reload and, and add some guys, young players. Milwaukee looking at the division, because Cincinnati's, I think Cincinnati's going to take a jump. Cincinnati's impressive. The Cardinals are probably going to also turn it around. Uh, I, I And the Cubs are, I don't know what, the Cubs are for sure, but
1: I think they're both yeah, the other two teams are better than the Brewers. I think the Reds win this division. Mm-hmm. I, I
3: love their talent. I'm I buying see their the Brewers talent. finishing fourth in this division. It's possible,
1: yeah. Behind the Cubs, behind the Cardinals. Yeah, Cardinals been a little money Absolutely. too on their pitching staff, and they have some young players that I like. Like I like Jordan, Jordan Walker. Walker yeah. Big fan of Jordan Walker. So like I, I'm with you. I could see that as well. Uh, the other teams after the Brewers, you had Philadelphia. I don't see Philly slippage. I think they're going to be back. Like, they, they brought back Nola, um, you know, Harper's Bryce healthier. is getting healthier. Yep. Um, they signed Whit Merrifield, if that moves the needle. They, That's they the yesterday. name I was trying to
2: think of, another Kansas City guy that they just end up dumping out on eventually. But, yeah, I, I just, I don't think, I think the Phillies aren't going anywhere.
1: Miami. They I could. I think they miss. They could miss. I, think they, I they, mean, Alcacar is out
3: for the entire season.
1: Yeah. The, the, they're the bringing other, Yuri Perez up, though. Like the question remember is, remember he was if on that miss, pitch count last year. Who who replaces him? Uh-huh. The
2: Mets, I don't believe in.
1: No, but it doesn't have to be the Mets. Like it no, could be anybody in the National right. League because it was a wild card spot.
2: I could. I mean, the the Pods and Giants Pods are. I I think they're younger, but they still have talent. The the Giants tried to make some splashes. They'll be better, but they yeah, did they,
3: add Solaire.
1: Yeah, they did. Jared says the Diamondbacks won't make the playoffs again. I was going to ask, you. I thought about I was ask you
3: guys about that. Cause there's a lot, especially at the top of the rotation. I mean, it, all most of these guys had great years last year but zach gallen has been somebody with a lot of red flags with his elbow you could see maybe he him having an injury problem this year merrill kelly was just the guy before the last couple years in arizona really resurrected his career and then eduardo rodriguez good pitcher but you know new ballpark new new uh new league i could see maybe him taking a step back so and that's, that was a team that won, like, what, 80, 88 games last year? So it wouldn't take a whole lot for them with the win-loss record. They take, you know, three, four games uh, step you know, with a step back, yeah. and suddenly they're out of the playoffs.
1: I like their team.
2: I think they get a
3: good squad as well. I like, like them. I just staff. see red flags. I just don't I'm think saying.
1: the national – like, we were just coming up with some of the names of, like, who that's replaced the problem. Miami. That's like, why I don't, Diamondbacks yeah. probably
3: make it. it's not. I think they take a step back, but the rest of the National League, after the Dodgers and the Braves, it's so – mid that it probably doesn't matter
1: Arizona's rotation like you mentioned guys there like they're top four legit like Allen really really good
3: I just see red flags but they're deep though
1: like so they they can survive if a guy's not like himself and has a bad year or if a guy gets injured like I I don't know how to say the Brandon Piffat guy that guy that guy's got really good stuff like I could see him taking a step up even if Merrill Kelly takes a step down and what I like about them offensively is like outside of Corbin Carroll I don't think they have an elite guy but they don't have any holes. Like one through really nine, good. they're yeah, just Christian solid. Marte really good. Is good. And I think that's how you're good in baseball, is yeah. when you're really solid. It's why I like the Astros lineup this year. Like, I think that they're just really solid. Like, even Jake Myers, who should be batting eighth or ninth, I think has potential. Jeremy Pena is going to be batting eighth or ninth, has potential. You look at the Astros last season with their lineup, major hole in the nine spot with Martin sure. Maldonado. So I like teams whenever one through nine. They have some promise. And, like, Myers isn't a good offensive player. Payne has been a very average to below-average offensive player. But they have promise. Like, Pena, two years ago, could knock a ball out of the ballpark. Uh, Jake Myers had two homer games. Like, he had a really good rookie year up until the shoulder injury. So that's what I like about Arizona. I just think they're deep. I don't think they have yeah, any
3: goals. Adding, adding Suarez and John Peterson really made them deep in the lineup. And, and they
1: signed and, Randall Grudschek. And
2: remember now, Suarez was a guy that the reason why he – the, that Seattle traded for him was because he made his name in Cincinnati, where he was pretty decent. Maybe going back to the National League helps him, but at least and, they it's, tried a good, and it's a good hitters' ballpark yeah, part yeah, to too. They, they tried to
1: add, and Corbin Carroll, I think, is a bona fide superstar.
3: He's good, so really
1: good. There's that part of it. Yeah, too. He's
3: somebody that you know, not top ten right now. And that we talked about the MLB top one hundred list. This time next year, he could be in the top ten. Was
1: he not top ten? I told you I didn't care about these lists. He should have been <laughs> clearly the guy's not. a star. He's really good. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Am I a homer? I think the Astros' pitching staff can be the best in the league. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees. ESPN. Ninety seven five. ESPN. Ninety two five.